0: Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last thirty years through today on the air on radio. What sets my Book Club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Hey, Tom, welcome hey, back hey, to hey Philly. Michael, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Man, you've done it again, huh? Well, I hope so. <laughs> Oh, the, th- no, we'll see it. Th- the thing is a great read. Yeah, I,
1: to, I must say I'm very encouraged by the uh, initial reaction to it. I really am.
0: Tom Brokaw has penned a winner in Boom! Voices of the 60s. You know the one reaction I had as I read your book? I wish I had been a talk show host in the 60s. Oh,
1: it was a wild time. Um, but, you know, part of the problem was in the 60s is that it, it was very hard to get through the din of the times. People were shouting at each other so much in a different way than we're shouting at each other too much now, but in a different way of then.
0: Why the title, Boom? You explained it in the introduction or the foreword, but but tell everybody in Philadelphia and the radio audience. Well,
1: it's a combination of both the baby boomers and boom, all the explosive things that happened. We went very rapidly from the kind of idyllic innocence of the 50s in this country to uh, challenging all of our conventions, and, uh, uh, politically and culturally and economically, uh, even spiritually in this country in the 1960s. Boom! It happened almost overnight. As I, One of the little metaphors that I have in there is that think of yourself as a World War II veteran. You dropped out of school to join the Marines, landed in Okinawa and Iwo Jima. You finally got a good job at, a motor, at the Ford Motor Company in Detroit. And you you think about sending your kids to college. You come home with your crew cut, getting ready to go off the American Legion. You're going to have supper. You look there, and across the table is your daughter, who is now growing hair on her legs, has no bra on, holding hands with a rock band member, and says, Daddy, we're going to move in together, but don't worry about it. I'm on the pill. And your son has got a T-shirt made out of an American flag with a swastika on it. And he says, I know how I can get out of the draft. And if I don't, I'm going to Canada. And your wife is standing behind you saying, hey, big guy, I don't think I'm the only one in here who should be doing the dishes from now on.
0: Oh, man. Uh, You know what's great? Bill Clinton has a line in this book where he says something to the effect of, if you enjoyed it, if you thought it was worthwhile, then you're you're a Democrat today. And if you thought it was a a terrible decade, then you're in the R's. That's right. Uh, I also had the same reaction as when I read The Greatest Generation, which is to say, where are all the characters today? In other words... Tom Brokaw writes about Simon and Garfunkel. We've right. got Britney Spears. You write about Warren Beatty. We've got uh, Paris Hilton. Right. I know. I mean, I is know. is somebody going to be able to write? Here's the question, I guess, to the extent that there's a serious one. Will somebody be able to do what Tom Brokaw has done in this book and talk about the first decade of the new millennium?
1: Well, I think that there are some awfully good people that are out there. You have to remember that the Google boys represent the first decade of the new millennium. Uh, Sergey and Larry, uh, they have created a vast empire that is having a huge impact on American life. Steve Jobs is not a boomer, but he's one who's having a huge impact uh, on American life. All the young scientists who are advancing medicine at warp speed. The women who now make up more than 50 percent of law school classes and, and medical school classes, my daughter is one of them, who's in a practicing physician. you know, working mother, uh... There, there's a lot to be said for this generation. Is there? But I happen to admire what Angelina Jolie is doing around the world. She's, you know, she goes to Darfur, goes to these difficult places, and is making a real financial and personal commitment in the name of refugees. So you know, I think that there's a lot to celebrate and a lot to cheer. There's an awful lot of attention to just the empty celebrity values, and that I don't get.
0: In other words, maybe we just need 40 or 50 years to go off the clock and we'll have more of a sense of appreciation for the times in which we're living.
1: Sure. Um, and I think that's still the case of the boomers, by the way. The final verdict is not in. That's why people keep pressing me, well, what are you going to call that generation? I, and I said to Newsweek, it was the provocative generation. But I, I later thought, well, probably the better kind of uh, intermediate title for them is the hell-raising generation. Right. And we'll see where it lands.
0: Uh, here's my favorite part of the book. You ready? Russert and eight cases of beer, a couple of buddies at Woodstock. Are you kidding me? No, in a Buffalo Bills jersey, wanting to throw the football around, and a bunch
1: of hippies just wanted him to take a couple of tabs of acid. I've got pictures of Tim in a Fu Manchu mustache. Uh,
0: I also enjoyed reading about Chris Christofferson, because I, I never appreciated the life change, or as he described it, the 180 change that went on in his world.
1: I've been a student of Chris Christofferson a long time because we're about the same age people don't realize this about him he was the golden glove champion of california when he was in college and then a Rhodes scholar and then completed ranger training and was a lieutenant in the army and was recruited to teach at west point because he was such a brilliant master of english literature and that's when he made a small turn went to nashville and at the beginning of 1968 he had a crew cut, and he was flying helicopters to oil drilling platforms in the Gulf of Mexico, asking his buddies whether he should try to get back in the army to go to Vietnam. By the end of 1968, he's the Chris Christopherson we know today. That's the, that's the boom of the time.
0: And and sees the Zabruder film along the way, and it seems like it was some kind of a life or, or career-changing yeah, experience.
1: He didn't, he didn't believe anything he heard after that.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, another highlight of Tom Brokaw's new book, at least from my perspective, and the title is Boom, Voices of the Sixties, and he's coming to the National Constitution Center, and I'll give you all those details in a moment. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? A Nation Turns Its Lonely Eyes to... You've got the backstory on one of the great songs of all time. Can you yep. give me the cliff note version?
1: Well, you know what? Yeah, I can. Paul Simon, Paul Simon was uh, uh, just beginning to make his real rise with our Gar- Garfunkel. And Mike Nichols was making The Graduate, and Larry Terman, the producer, had asked him to write some songs. And Paul, Paul had in mind Mrs. Roosevelt, not Mrs. Robinson. And they kept saying, no, no, her name is Mrs. Robinson. He said, I can't help it. I keep hearing Mrs. Roosevelt. And he later met Joe DiMaggio, by the way, who had mixed feelings about it. And he, Joe DiMaggio said to him, I haven't gone away, by the way. You know, I'm I'm still doing the Mr. Coffee commercial.
0: Uh, What's that you say, Mrs. Robinson? Jolton Joe has left and gone away. Right, exactly. Uh, Says he still doesn't know where he got the idea for the final stanza. No,
1: he doesn't. He didn't. You know, they were still writing the song as they were rapping.
0: I would have liked to have known more about Bill Clinton in the sixties, and, and maybe your thought was because you you have his perspective, and clearly you know you interviewed him and you get him reflecting. But
1: I would well, just love so he's written about it. Everybody's written about his time at Oxford and when he, when he went to Moscow when he was at Yale Law School. You know, I mean that's been out there a while. So I was much more interested in both Newt and Bill Clinton, who I twin up in this book, because I've often said I think they were separated at birth, two prematurely gray guys who came from dysfunctional families in the South had troubles with women, and then one on the right and one on the left have this kind of epic political confrontation.
0: Well, and they, they both appear to have been able to turn around that other aspect yep. that yep. you made reference to. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM. Listen- hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Listen to Michael Live, weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Uh, one other observation for, for Tom Brokaw, and thanks so much for coming back to the program in Philadelphia. The timeline in the back of the book, it extends beyond the 60s. It, explain that.
1: Well, it begins after the 60s began. It begins, I think it began in 63 when Jack Kennedy was assassinated, the president. Uh, th- that absolutely shattered any sense of security or innocence that we might have had. And I thought it ended... When Richard Nixon was forced to resign in the summer of 1974, those are the bookends for me, at least, and I think that they probably hold up. History very seldom follows neatly along the lines of the calendar, so I call the 60s those times, and we began to move beyond the 60s after the the resignation of Richard Nixon.
0: I don't want to steal the great line in the book, but uh, you you ask the question at the end, when did we know the 60s were over? Give give me that, that answer.
1: I don't mind <laughs> that line. I'd be happy to. I saw a comedian on television one night some time ago now, and he said the '60s were over when somebody flashes the peace sign and it now means two coronas with lime, please.
0: <laughs> hey, Tom, you're doing great, man. It's it's really good to to see you doing the long form NBC format as well. And I just I'm appreciative every time that you come back to the program. And I will give everyone the details of your uh, your return to the National Constitution Center as well. We've got a real gem here in Philly, and I'm I'm thrilled that you're coming there.
1: Michael, it's, a, it's always a privilege to be with you, and I, I, I'm looking forward very much to Mike. I really do like Philadelphia a lot and don't get there enough.
0: Boom is the book, Voices of the 60s, the great Tom Brokaw. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on SiriusXM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or any time on the SiriusXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays.